When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everyone this is david welcome back behind the velvet rope let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one the only mr jason lee hey what's up what is going on how are you today and what is going on in the world of hollywood unlocked today well i just landed right now in la from new york which is one of the greatest cities in the world i love new york um just coming off of paris fashion week heading home I have work to do. I'm having dinner with friends. Cardi B's birthday is on Monday. So just getting back to LA after being gone for about 10 days, trying to figure it all out. There's so much going on in the world of celebrity gossip. I get 99.9% of everything I need from your site. But before we get to current day, I just, I like to get to know people when they're here. I always say this show is kind of like inside the actor's studio meets Wendy Williams. So yes. before we get to the media mogul and CEO and owner of Hollywood Unlocked that we see before us today, I wanted to start at the beginning for you. I've read your book, God Must Have Forgotten About Me, which I think is a great name for a book. Thank you. And I didn't even read it for this interview. I've read it in the past. So, you know, you didn't always have such an easy time. I mean, you're very open in your book about, you know, you come from humble beginnings. Yes. Yeah, I love the book. The book, um, I was on a journey, um, having left Love and Hip Hop, trying to discover where I wanted to go with my career, went to Wild and Out, really enjoyed re being received in a different way on MTV, and then just felt like there was something missing that I hadn't given to my audience. I felt like Love and Hip Hop did me a disservice, and people just saw me as an emotionless tree. And I really wanted people to know that there were other layers to me. You know, I'm a generous person, I say it how it is, and uh, afraid to be confrontational if I have to be and and so when I when I went to love uh, while and out MTV loved me so much the VH1 didn't understand why they loved me so much and so took a meeting with VH1 I said look I'll go back to love and hip-hop again for one more season uh with the condition that I can tell my brother's story that a lot of impact on my life and if I can try to reconcile with my father and you know just really lay up this book that I'm thinking of doing because I want to kind of put all my my pain in a, in a book that can be an offering to other people who are going through their own personal journeys. And so VH1 and I figured out the deal. I went back and I did it. And then I launched the book and did a book tour and then COVID hit. But I was able to go out and reach thousands and thousands of people and live audiences. You know, Remy Ma hosted one event for me in New York. Cardi B called in and bought the whole audience books in my hometown. So I was able to reach a lot of people. But the book was there was no strategy like how do we get this number one on bestseller and all that. I mean, it is a bestselling book on Amazon. We didn't get New York bestseller, but it was a book that had a lot of impact on people. So it was great. It was really good. I mean, growing up, were you, you know, because 
you had a lot of struggles. Like, were you into pop culture and like celebrity gossip and all that growing up? Or you had a lot of other things obviously going on or like, what did you want to be when you grew up? I mean, growing up as a kid, I was in foster care. And I always looked at like, you know, TV and radio, Michael Jackson, the Whitney Houston, the princes, the Madonnas, all those icons back in our day. Um, and I grew up in an environment where I was around eclectic group of music. So it was, you know, John Bon Jovi and Def Leppard, as well as Guns N' Roses on all the other stuff, you know. So I always was a fan of entertainment. I just didn't know where I would fit because I was too afraid to fail. And like even today, I don't audition. I, I did one audition. They liked me and I didn't get the job. And I just from that point on decided I was never going to audition again because I, I never thought I had the talent to make it. So when I saw the boom of social media and, and blogging and all of that, I just felt like, okay, I understand business and I understand pop culture and have relationships. Let me see if I can mix this all up as like batter to a cake and bake this thing called Hollywood Unlocked. So that was kind of how it all happened. And you were starting, this all kind of started with all your other media connections, like kind of simultaneously while you're on Love and Hip Hop. That was part of the reason why you wanted to leave as well. Yeah, I mean, I did Love & Hip Hop to promote Hollywood Unlocked. So Love & Hip Hop was less about being a reality star, more about using all this free marketing. You know, it's a show that airs in front of millions of people. My first line out of my mouth is, I'm Jason Lynn, I'm Hollywood Unlocked. I mean, I branded my name, I branded my site. I knew nothing about, like, the reality of the business and how I was going to figure it all out, but I was able to figure it all out. And, you know, Love & Hip Hop, although it was a ratchet-ass show, it was definitely good for, you know, springboarding my company. It was. I mean, at least, you know... Now I think people come into reality TV knowing like this is a great platform, but like back in the day when you did it, you know, there's very few people that did it successfully and kind of launched. I think of you, I think of like Bethany Frankel. I don't think of many others to, that are like, here's a captive audience of people. Yeah. Yeah. And Cardi B, I mean, she's another one who's like, that's true. She's used social, you know, she was, we just had dinner in uh, Paris with Christian Louboutin. I introduced them for her birthday this year. And she was telling basically the start of her career. And she, he asked her, like, how did you get so famous? And she said, I did this reality show and it kind of gave me a boost. And then I just took off. That's true. Well, you know, I always say things like, because I interview a lot of reality TV stars here, you know, like you can't challenge a network. You're never going to win. Like you're making me eat my words, Jason, because I say like, you can't challenge a network. You're never going to win. I've been on some reality TV shows too. Like I'm very familiar with the contracts. They're really harsh, but you know, you very publicly got out of your contract with VH1. I guess what, what my big question is like, where did those balls come from? Like, you know what I mean? Like, were you, you know, you, you weren't this media mogul that you are now. Like, were you ever scared of, like, you don't like to audition, but were you ever scared of, like, I'm going to take on this network head on? First of all, I appreciate that you did your research because nobody's asked me that question. And I take a lot of pride in the fact that I stood up for what I believed in. Um, I never was afraid of losing anything. I never was afraid of being blackballed. I never was, because at the end of the day, I own my brand. I own my company. I own my relationships. I own all the extensions. And I look at all my partners, whether it's a network that I'm talent on, whether it's whatever, I look at it as like, we need each other, you know? So for you to shut me out is a disservice you're doing to yourself. I went back to Love & Hip Hop under a couple of expectations. One, that I'd be able to tell my story and be very clear that I was not there for you know to give any ownership of my brand they tried to own percentage of my brand they tried to give me a two million dollar gag clause where i could never talk about them or i would be sued 
And I just fought them on all that. I was just like, you can't censor me. You can't tell me to come in the show and be the voice of the culture and talk shit about what I think, but then tell me that you're going to control what I think. Like, it just doesn't work. Right. So once once I, once I uh, COVID happened and I had time to really reconcile with the book tour and where I was in my life and the fact that I really wanted to be, I wanted my brand on television to become a reflection of who I am as a person. And I just felt like being on a show in the midst of Black Lives Matter and George Floyd were Black people were encouraged to be in combat with one another, just didn't align with what I wanted to do. So I just asked them to let me go. We weren't shooting anyway, and then they they didn't want to let me go. So I started the whole Free Jason Lee campaign, and then they decided it was best to just let me go. Yeah, which I think, I mean, I don't know how many people have done something like that and started a campaign that's that public and just kind of walked away. So, yeah. Do you think you were an exception though, like you said, like they wanted you to sign this clause, which I think is ridiculous, this $2 million clause, which actually goes against your whole actual business. I mean, cause your job is to just be honest and report what you see and not talk about that. Do you think that had anything to do with it? Like not taking anything away from you, but you know, you have this huge platform. Do you think the average person, it would still be as easy for them to get out of something like this? I think that, especially people of color have to continue to look for opportunities that allow them the space to be themselves and to grow and not be pigeonholed into being this monolith creature that they want to create that decimates our own culture. And then it holds us, it holds us to contracts that aren't even good for ourselves. I mean, let's be clear, love and hip hop for me was in the beginning, it was never good money. Even when I went back, even though I got a five, 100% increase it was decent but it was never about the money for me it was about leveraging a marketing platform where I got millions of people in their homes every day and on their phones you know every week uh, to be able to promote myself so ultimately I knew what I was in it for I think some people get into it for different reasons fame or whatever but you know there's no fortune in reality shows unless you're building an empire like mine or you're building like what Bethany was able to do so Ultimately, I don't know if I was the exception, but I wish that more people had courage. I mean, the conversations with them were very clear. It was never negotiable to me that I was getting out of that contract. And I was very clear to them that I was going to do whatever it took to get out. And I'm glad that that campaign only lasted, what, three weeks? They just they were like they were just like, go, go away. So Right. They're like, please just go away. No, I mean. I agree. I mean, I don't think I tell people all the time, like you're not starting a career in reality TV for the dollars and cents, especially not the first year because you're not making anything. Right. Exactly. What about, you know, when you have someone like a Nini leaks, like, what do you feel about that? Like, do you think there's certain people, like, do you think everyone could always bounce back from challenging like the institution, you know, like Nini had this very public breakup with Bravo and you know, or do you think there are people that are truly cancelable and that's it? I think the people that are cancelable are people who don't own anything. You know, like if you own your own platform and you build it, like I built an audience of millions of people that I talk to every day, whether it's on radio, whether it's on the podcast, whether it's on social, whether it's on my, my live shows or whatever. Even my radio show and my Fox show deals with Fox and with iHeart, I own the deals. I just license my name to them and I license my show, but I own it all. I own the content. I think that ownership is just important. But if you go in your talent, then you have to play your position. You know, you know that your talent, your work for hire, and they hold the purse. So ultimately, they're going to make all the decisions. But in my case, in my businesses, with all of my relationships, I sign all the checks. So 
Um, I don't I don't know that it would be the same. I would say like for Nini's case, I think that she's extremely talented. I talked to her the other day and she's a big name. And she, But but what I think is smart about Nini is she owns businesses. So she's always going to make money. She can always do appearances. She can always launch products. But, you know, that reality show platform is a big, big advertising platform for people who have brands like Nini. So, you know, it's very complicated, but I hope that she figures it out. Me too. When you started Hollywood Unlocked, like, what were your goals? Like, you know, did you envision what it is today, this mega giant? Or you just were like, let's take it one step at a time. I literally, this is going to sound so crazy. So I just started working on courses um, on how to build a successful podcast and how to build a successful blog. It sounds so simple, but I'm literally going to be selling millions of dollars of lessons and 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 knowledge that i built through making making mistakes and and just doing the work when i started hollywood unlocked i was literally just throwing everything at the wall and whatever stuck i kept doing that and then when it didn't stick anymore i went and pivoted and did something else and so i learned how to navigate through the space i mean ultimately when i first did it i got with a friend of mine who's a uh he's in the vc world and I said, look, I'm going to build this thing. And ultimately, I want a nine-figure exit. So help me build out what this exit can look like. What are all the extensions? What are all the different points of revenue? And then and then I decided to put my face to it because I felt like I'm the one that's going to draw on all the people. So I got to figure it out. And then I just slowly have started figuring it out. And so now we're getting into products. Soon we'll get into uh, subscription-based content. And then, you know, we have other deals on the table. We're looking to expand in radio and have another book I'm writing and the courses. So it's just one of those things where just trial and error and just, just figuring it out along the way and, uh, and a lot of luck. Hey, guys, there's big news from my favorite home security company. Simply Safe just launched their new wireless outdoor security camera. That's right, Simply Safe, the system that US News and World Report names best home security system of 2021, just got even better. This brand new outdoor security camera is engineered with all the advanced tech and security features you want and need to help keep you and your family safe. I love that it zooms in eight times. This means that you can zoom in and clearly see things like faces and license plates to capture critical evidence. It has a built-in spotlight with color night vision so you can keep an eye on what's going on day and night. It's super simple to set up and usually takes just minutes. The camera also integrates with your Simply Safe home security system, extending its protection to the outside. Together, it means every door, window, room, and your property are now protected. To learn more about the exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera, visit simplysafe.com/slash velvet robe. What's more, Simply Safe is celebrating this new camera by offering 20% off your entire new system and your first month of monitoring service free when you enroll in their interactive monitoring program. What's more important than keeping your home and property safe? Once again, that's simplysafe.com slash velvet robe. Was there one big thing or one big story or one big moment where you could say, okay, we had 200 followers. Now we have 2 million. Like, was there one thing that kind of changed the course for you? Of course, the Jordan Woods and Tristan Thompson story was the massive thing that, you know, and trust me, when you get that, you're always looking for those again. You know, we have had stories like we just broke that Ray J was in the hospital with pneumonia and then TMZ tried to take that. I mean, we, we, we still break stories, but that was, I think, just a colossal story because of all the parties that were involved. So, yeah, we, that was definitely something that put Hollywood on lockdown on the map. 
And then I know from that story, like you, I mean, I read this because you say I did my research. I don't know if this is true. Like you actually called like Chloe and Chris and the family and said like, heads up, I'm running the story. Yeah. And there's another, yeah, I did. And, and, and we ran it and we ran it after we were able to have those conversations, but you know, me and Chris, uh, I've known Chris Jenner for uh, what, um, 11 years now. And last week I had to have a call with her because she heard that I was breaking the story on Kim. Uh, and she called me to basically say how disappointed she was. But like I explained to her, you know, the Kardashians, although I have had a personal relationship with Rob and Chris, we don't have a relationship when it comes to the work. And so I'm able, I'm able to separate my work from my relationship. Some people are not able to. And, you know, me and Chris were kind of going back on, on, on text. And I was explaining to her that I'm not afraid of the Kardashians. I'm not afraid of anybody when it comes to doing my job. And in fact, I told her that one day you're going to run into the wrong person who doesn't care. And my name is the wrong person. So let's not have this exchange, Chris. I have a job to do. If you want to work with me and be a partner and sharing information, then we can work together. But, but they don't partner with media outside of E and those that I and TMZ that I'm aware of because they really feel like they don't have to and that they can cancel people. But unfortunately, when you own your own company, as long as you're following the rules and you're being very tedious to those rules um, and respectful and fair, what can you sue? You can't do anything, you know? No, I feel, listen, on a much smaller scale, I'm not, but I am in that situation all the time where like, I'll have someone on and, you know, whatever. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to have your arch enemy on tomorrow. Like, this is my job. Like, I don't know what you want from me. So I could imagine you would face that a lot. Well, I mean, didn't you like at that time give them the heads up and then they kind of were thrilled and then they kind of immediately turned their backs on you anyway, once the story took like a bunch of different turns? Well, they didn't turn their back on me until they were done using me, you know, and what I explained to Chris was, which I think she had a hard time accepting, you know, she really wanted me to come to her and talk to her and be fair, was she put people in place to manage these type of relationships, and they may not be aware of me and Chris's relationship, but the fact that I feel like they used me and uh, gaslit me the whole way through and used Hollywood Unlocked really as a vehicle to attack Jordan Woods and meet and meet dumb in a dumb way, just being very blind to that, just really being, you know, authentically and organically uh, accepting of this relationship I thought was developing in the, on the business side, you know, I played the part. And so, yeah, that's the one thing I do regret. And I told Chris then, so Chris now said, you know, this is an open line between you and I come to me directly. Okay, well, I'll come to you directly. And I have with this other story that I'm still planning to break. I just have to make sure all the legal parameters are there before I do it, because she's already kind of inferred that she's going to take action if I do so. Which I imagine you get a lot of from a lot of different people. All the time. That's what I would imagine. When you were initially going down this road with like Chris and like the Kardashians and like you regret it with Jordan, what that was just, I mean, that's just business, right? Like you're like, this could be a great relationship and we're building the site. Like I'm not giving you shade. I'm just saying like, is that the thought process behind it? The thought was, I broke the story and knew that I wouldn't get a response from Jordan, but I did get a response from Chloe directly. And I was texting and talking with Chloe every day as it was growing. Every time I responded to it or said my opinion about it, she commented directly about it to me. Um, And I think in many ways, her and her team led me into information that I then shared, but of course didn't go back and say it came from them. And it was information that I think ultimately harm Jordan but you know when I take a step out of the emotion because I'm not emotionally tied to none of this shit you know but when I look at Jordan Woods I mean 
this has been the biggest blessing of her life. This pushed her out of their shadow into her own spotlight. She's beautiful. She's amazing. She looks like she's living a very vibrant life. She has an, an amazing boyfriend who really loves her. She has her own brand deals, acting. I mean, I'm not saying that I should get credit for that, but I do believe that as painful as it probably was for her and her family to go through with it, that it was in many ways a blessing in disguise. That makes a lot of sense. Are like in today's day and today's day and age, like are the Kardashians or like anything surrounding them? Like I interviewed Black China. You guys covered that recently. So thank you for that coverage. But like, am I hyping them up too much? Like who are like, who are the most clickable or like, are there certain people you just know the public just can't get enough of? I mean, is it the Kardashians or is that just in my own crazy head? I mean, I think the Kardashians are, are, you know, they're easily consumable, but hard to digest. Right. I mean, I think there's like a love and hate relationship. People love them because they're, they're a bunch of beautiful women, sisterhood, the family, all that. We've watched them for, I don't know, but 20 years now on television, we've seen Kylie grow into so many different people, their kids, you know, now we're going to have cardiac keeping up with the Kardashian children. Like there's, you know, the Kanye was, it's just a, it's just a nonstop storyline. So in one way, in one since we we can't get enough of them but then on the other hand we're tired of them you know they have been in our face too much uh, there's things that they get away with that black women could never get away with there's stuff that they do and claim that they created that we know came from the black culture that people are just you know not really easily uh, able to digest and so i don't know it's a love-hate thing i think if there's anybody else i think that i mean people really love <clears throat> the card i mean uh, cardi b She's somebody that every time we post, you know, they love her. But I don't know now that there's anybody that, that, that you know, with social media today, being that it is, there's the paparazzis aren't really following anybody else like that anymore, you know? Yeah, it's kind of changed the game. What, and this is the last question about the Kardashians, I promise. What are things that they get away with that they wouldn't if they were Black women? Um, I think definitely as sexual as they are with as many men that they've been with, with as many women's men that they've been with. I think that there's a lot of things that they've gotten a lot of passes for because it's just a Kardashian that I don't think a, a, a regular woman would be able to, especially a woman of color. I also think a lot of the opportunities they get, um, you know, we can say marketing or whatever, but I don't, I don't know any woman of color whose sex tape made them a, you know, multi-million dollar woman. Um, and just remember, like, this all was all this entire brand is a springboard of a sex tape. And I just don't know any other person that's done that. That's true. Although I guess you could say Paris Hilton. But Paris Hilton comes from money. She's comes from she comes from wealth. I mean, you know, they the Kardashians wealthy. They were they they had relationships and they were kind of in the mix and they had money, but they didn't have wealth. I'll admit it, as important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate, I'm really not great at it. I'm always on the go. I'm never making that a priority, and I'm always hungry. This was a real problem until I discovered 310 Nutrition. I love 310 Nutrition's water hydrators. You just add them to water, and they make your water taste so much better. They also have refreshing lemonade mixes. My personal favorite, they're all-in-one shakes. I love their caramel sundae, their vanilla cake, the shamrock cream. I drink one of these shakes and it totally satisfies my hunger. 
They're low in fat and low carbs, which I love. They also satisfy my carb craving. But don't take my word for it. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code VELVETROPE and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 off your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and it's easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE. That's that's true. When you started Hollywood Unlocked, like who were your idols? Like, did you look up or like your mentors? Like, did you look up to certain people in the business that came before you that did this sort of thing or like in a different format? Yeah, I mean, I look at Wendy Williams, you know, she's somebody that's had a lot of success. Radio was never an idea for me in my career. Radio just kind of happened. They kind of approached me after an interview and said, hey, would you do a radio show? But Wendy was really, Wendy, Charlemagne, the God, I mean, very fearless, say whatever they thought, what they want. And like I said, on the breakfast, they became famous for just in what they thought and what they felt. Like their opinion, their point of views is what made them famous. And I was never seeking fame, but I did want to have impact and I wanted to have influence. And so I looked at them as a compass. I look at Howard Stern. I look at Ryan Seacrest. You know, now that I'm getting into producing content, developing shows and stuff, I look at Ryan as a template. So, yeah. Did you ever, was that like a conscious decision for you to, because you have said before, like, I mean, you do insert yourself in it. Like you served up the tea, you stir up the tea, like. Was that like a conscious decision of like, I can either go one way or another. I could either just remain neutral and hear uh, the facts or. To be neutral, but the industry didn't welcome me when I did that. Nobody really met, nobody really gave me the chance. And so then I got kind of frustrated and just started saying what I thought. And it was like my frustrated thoughts just were my opinions. And people started going, oh my God, I can't believe he said that. Once I started seeing what was sticking, I started more before you knew it. I was saying some of the craziest shit and I was getting calls like, hey, you, you can't say that. And I'm like, yes, I can. I'm not going to get fired. I own my own shit. You know, so the spilling of the tea thing, but I am transitioning to, I'm still going to be, you know, serving it up and doing what I do, but I'm also trying to have a lot more compassion with where I'm coming from with it. So that way it's not a vindictive or, you know, apparently like, you know, like I'm mad or anything. I just want, I'm going to come from a place of fairness, but I'm going to be very blunt and very real. Right. And I know you've said that recently too. That was one of my questions. Like you're trying to transition out of kind of the T somewhat because you're at a different place in your life. I mean, listen, I did a show last night and I just said, I'm, I have a lot of work to do. I am who I am. I say what I say. I feel what I feel. You know, but the same person who does that is the same person that built the relationship with Rihanna, who built the same relationship with Mariah Carey, who built the same relationship with all these people who respect me for my point of view. It's just my delivery sometimes doesn't allow for people to be able to digest what I'm saying. So they miss the point and they get it later from somebody else. So I'm just trying to make sure that the delivery has the same impact, but it does. But it's not so sharp that it shuts people's ears down or scares people away. I want to have conversations with you know, Obama. And there's different people that inspire me that I know, like a Lizzo, who I recently met. I want to be able to interview her, but I don't want her to be afraid of me, you know? And so I think it's just balance, bringing more of a balance, but I'm never going to lose my edge. How did you start becoming, you know, friendly with these people, like being at New York, you know, being at Paris Fashion Week with Cardi B and Christian Louis? I'm like, when did that start happening, you know, in your well, job? My, 
my friend married Mark Jacobs. And so I went to his Mark's fashion show and he sat me front row and I, I was sitting next to a woman and a man and we just started cracking jokes and making Snapchat videos, putting dog ear filters. And then when I liked them and I just happened, I just give me your number. We'll keep in touch. And it happened to be Christian Louboutin. So that was a couple of years ago. Fast forward, I've been trying to get out there to hang out with him. We've been talking over the last two years. Last year, I had him make her a pair of shoes, a one, one of one for her, a bloody shoe. And then this year for her birthday, I knew she'd be in Paris and he was there and I wanted to see him. And so I just flew out there with my team and brought them together for dinner. And so I've always been kind of the guy that brings people together um, as much as it seems like I'm on the internet tearing people apart. But um, yeah, that was a great moment. And do you have people like you refer to Lizzo that are afraid of you that like you just want to interview and they're just like, this is, and you're like, I'm not coming for you. I just really want to chat with you. Does that happen a lot? Like one person who I want to reconcile my relationship with is Megan the Stallion because I was very critical of her and very disappointed in how she handled Black media when she had her album released that it did come off very personal and I was very, very nasty to her. And she, I, I had her number and we, she had my number and we, I thought we were building a relationship. I introduced her to Cardi B. They went on and did WAP. Um, I made sure they got on the phone with each other. I made sure they connected and then she didn't show up during press and I kind of felt a certain way and so I handled it in a way that probably wasn't the best but it was what I felt at the time and I think that Megan is somebody who you know I do want to have a reconciliation with because she is talented I do want her to succeed but I also want her to understand my point of view and uh, when I have those type of moments there are some people that love it because there's some mega if I told you the names of people who see my stuff and call me and go oh my god I'm fucking dying right now I cannot believe you said X, Y, Z. <clears throat> Probably equally the level of value of people who see my content and say, I would never talk to him. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things, again, where I'm trying to show a balance because that edge is who I am. And no matter no matter what I want to do in life, I do want to win an Emmy at some point. I want to be nominated. I want to be in those conversations more so to have the right impact and be the example to people like me that it's all possible, but I also do not want to play the politics completely and get away from who I am as a person. Do you regret anything else? Like you mentioned Jordan, maybe like, or just not, not much. No, there's not. I, I, I don't lose sleep at night over what I've done. I mean, I've done what I've done. I've said what I've said. It was what needed to be said at the time. I've only apologized once. And I said at that time, I was never going to apologize again. And so you know, it's, I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes, but I just hope that you know, I'm, I'm more focused on the quality of base support system, not the quantity base. You know, I have 3 million followers. If I get 5% of those people or, or half a percent of those people to follow me and buy everything I do and buy into everything I do, I'm good. You, that's, you would be just fine. Do you ever look at your life now with all these things going on and just, I mean, could you ever have imagined this? Like, do you have those moments of like being able to take yourself out of your own life and just be like, you know, I know you work all the time and I'm sure you're not done and I'm sure you want to accomplish so much more because that's just the way it is. But I mean, do you ever have a moment of like, wow. I uh, was in Paris and had a, had a lot of moments in Paris um, where I was just really you know, I think I struggle with the fact, I struggle with the idea of fame or celebrity or whatever. I always dumb it down and say, hey, I'm not a celebrity because I really don't believe I am. I think Rihanna's a celebrity, Beyonce's a celebrity. I write about celebrities. I talk about celebrities. I interview celebrities. I'm a public figure that's recognizable. I always dumb that down. 
But then when I go to Paris and London and people know me all over the world and people know me on planes, just right now on the plane, the flight attendant was like, hey, I know who you are. I follow your entire world. Started to accept and embrace the fact that I worked hard to create visibility in the market and that I am who I am and my career is going where it's going and still be humble, but so very aware that people see me differently than I see myself. And so there's a, a heightened responsibility. And then there's also a heightened awareness that I have to have when I'm sitting in situations or if a Cardi B's posted me on her Instagram for 111 million people to see. I have to be very aware that it's just Jason to me, but I don't know how other people see that. And so, yeah, I, I had moments in Paris where I was just like, yo, I've done some really dope shit and I've done a good job of building my brand so far, even though I still feel like I have a lot more to go. But I'm definitely starting to slow down a little bit and try to enjoy the experiences. I did enjoy the dinner with Christian and Cardi because to see her explain to him how she came up with the bloody shoe and to watch him explain to her his reaction when he heard the bloody shoe was hilarious. And to see Offset sitting there afraid to eat this bougie ass food because, you know, we from the hood. We don't eat that shit. It was just funny, you know, but it was a moment where I could share it with my friends. I can look see Cardi's new baby. I can, you know, watch her be uh, a little girl again um, with this fashion icon that she's looked up to for so many years. And to feel that moment and to be able to live in it was worth all the work. And so, yeah, did I ever think I'd be sitting at dinner with Christian Louboutin? No. But at the same time, I'm honored to sit here and be interviewed by somebody that actually gave a shit to like research the work that I've done. As I run around all day trying to get everything done with running this podcast, the most important thing to me is comfort. When it comes to underwear, loungewear, and activewear, Third Love understands that comfort is of the utmost importance. That's why they design feel-good all-day wear that hugs better, holds stronger, and supports longer. When I hear from all of my female friends, and yes, many of the housewives who I am friends with, they talk about Third Love's fitting room quiz. The fitting room quiz is so detailed in a good way. It helps you find the perfect size and style. Also, third loves, the bras are available in exclusive half cups and the underwear, loungewear, and activewear is available from sizes XS to 3X. That's why the fit is better. And third love obsesses over every stitch. So you'll never have to think about how something feels, looks, or wears. But don't take my word for it. If you don't love your fit, Guess what? Exchanges and returns are free for 60 days. Feeling is believing. Upgrade to everyday pieces that love your body as much as you do. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order at thirdlove.com slash velvet. That's 20% off at thirdlove.com slash velvet. What's the best thing about being friends with Cardi B? That, that, she will call me and talk shit to me when I need to be talked shit to and that I can call her and talk shit to her when she needs to be talked to. I think she's a, she is a, you know, I watch her, her, her career and I'm so proud of her and everything that she does. And I look at how involved she is and, and have the drive to just come back and be the best and still want to embrace other women in hip hop and still want to help lift new girls up. It's just amazing to watch. So I'm just, I'm thankful for the friendship, but I'm also grateful for the fact that as much as people think that it's a business relationship, it's absolutely less business than it is just normal friends. Like, I don't I don't talk to her as Cardi B. I talk to her as just Cardi. You know what I mean? Right. Does anything shock you these days? I mean, you know, with everything going on in celebrity, I mean, there's so much. Like, do you ever just hear a story and you're like, this shocks me? Like, I can't believe these people did this. 
Well, ironically, um, Diplo, um, who I also have a relationship with, he had a relationship that wasn't about Hollywood Unlocked. But then, of course, he started following me and following Hollywood Unlocked or whatever. And we had to write a story about this woman who said that he had sexually assaulted her. And he was really upset, but he wasn't being mean to me, but he was being very not Diplo-ish, you know, very straightforward how disappointed he was he was really upset he was explaining to me how she was extorting him and as i explained to him like yo you have my number you have my access to my platform come on and explain your side he actually was being extorted she was lying and she had created the story you know me too is just a, a it's a movement without guardrails where so many people have been sucked into it. you don't know what's real and not real and anybody can say anything and so when he started showing me this paperwork and stuff, you know, we started to change our narrative and be more supportive towards his narrative because now he was the victim, clearly. And so then she just came out and said, okay, my bad, I lied. And so yesterday he texted me this post that he had put on his Instagram where he shared his story about how he was taken advantage of stock and, and extorted this and that. And I know it's been a very, very painful experience for him. So to be able to hear it from him personally and understand how much pain it caused and then be able to help him translate it in stories and share his story and, and then be able to shift my own mentality on how I see these stories when they come across my desk and then understand the impact that my stories can have if I just put information out because it's, it's out there. You know, it was one of those moments where I was able to be like, okay, let me digest this and, and how is this going to impact how we, how we do our storytelling moving forward, so... Do you find the opposite, like not these people you're friends with, but do you find the opposite that people are now like kissing your ass all the time? Because, you know, it's a, this, look, this is a business. We both know how it works. Like, you know, they want good coverage or they want a, some angle or, you know, not knowing that you're still going to report on it, regardless, you're going to do the right thing. I am very aware. I said this not too long ago. I said, I don't want any more celebrity relationships other than Rihanna. That is the last one. I do not want any more celebrity relationships and uh because it does get very difficult when you do have to run that story now you have to sit on the phone and over explain why you have a job that they knew about you know what i mean if you invite me out and some crazy shit goes down don't call me and say don't do my job like that's just not gonna work so yeah we've had some difficult conversations but you know now that rihanna and i are friends i ain't trying to be friends with nobody else you know maybe beyonce call okay i'll make one more exception but you know, I don't know if I'm her cup of tea or not. Either way, yeah, I just, I'm very aware when people are trying to be friends with Jason or Hollywood Unlocked. I know it. You know, if you're talking to me about your projects, me and Tiffany Haddish, we don't sit around and talk about our projects. We do sometimes, but it's not, she's not coming to my house and saying, hey, she's not coming to my barbecue and, hey, let me tell you about what me and Jimmy Fallon talked about. Like, that's just not, this is not our conversation. We're, it's really about, how do we uplift our community? How do we influence foster kids? How do we create a space for creativity? How do we find more people of color to put on? Like, that's the conversation that we're having. But when they start that other shit, dropping records or, oh, you can't believe what happened. I'm out. I check out because my because when I'm not Jason Lee for Hollywood Unlocked, I'm literally just hanging out, chilling. I don't want to know everything that's going on. I don't care. But I'm very aware when celebrities are trying to be my buddy by telling me all the other celebrities' business, you know? And I totally get, like, not wanting to be friends with more celebrities. That makes total sense. Because, like, you have enough and it complicates the job. Like, no matter what, you're still going to do the job, but there's only so much you can take. Period. What about, you did have this epic birthday party. Talk to me about Little Kim 
Who I mean, Cam. I mean, it's a little Kim, you know what I mean? It's icon. Uh, she's the blueprint for the rap that we see today with these girls. And when I knew I was turning 44 and I was going to have this big party and I knew that I was going to have a performance, she was the only person I thought of. So I called her and she said, yeah, she happened to be in town and she came and she killed it. It was amazing. And did this, you gave her a set list and you're like, sing some of these songs. And she like just did the whole set list that you picked for her or? did the whole set list and some like I, she was going to do like four songs and she did the whole thing. Like it was like a whole show. Wow. What about, you know, you talk about, you try, you threw everything against the wall and you saw what worked. What about like the whole thing, you know, with like Karen civil, like when you're, I mean, if Instagram goes down for five minutes, I'm having a heart attack, you know, like when your whole site goes down in 2018, this whole thing with Karen civil in a way, I mean, it, was there anything positive about that for you in the sense of like, this is possibly the worst thing that could happen. And look, we've pivoted and everyone got paid and we survived. Like, is there any positive that you take out of that when you come out the other side? The only positive is I survived it. Everything they've tried to do. I said on the, I said on the breakfast club, if you say you date younger and you're gay, you're, they try to conflate that with being a pedophile. You know, they, they try to conflate that with being a pedophile. If you say you date, somebody light skin, you're a colorist. No matter what I've said, I've, they've always tried to twist and turn and ruin my brand. Uh, they tr took the Instagram page down. You know, they cut off a lot of revenue to the company and we continue to survive. So I think ultimately the fact that we continue to move forward and, and grow was, was amazing. Absolutely. What are your, like, what's next for you? Like, I mean, I know you have a lot of these plans. Like, do you have any like immediate, like what's the next thing you kind of want to tackle and accomplish? Well, I have some shows I'm working on and producing and developing right now. My new book, How I Stopped Giving a Fuck and Started Winning, is almost done. And my courses and just continuing to grow. What about everything? Because I know that you've been on the Wendy show. Like you said, she's someone you looked up to. What about everything that like Wendy's going through now? Listen, I haven't talked to Wendy. I sent my best to her manager, but I'm always available to help in whatever capacity. And one day, hopefully, I have my own show. And what about when you read things like, cause your name has been thrown. I mean, Wendy is still in the chair, but like, is it, is that your reaction? Like everyone slow down, like the woman has a job or cause your name comes up. Breakfast club is when it's my, I, I, everything is due to me when it's my turn. I can wait. I don't, I don't want to push Wendy out of her chair. To, I'm not that eager. I'm going to keep doing the work. I'm going to keep staying in people's faces. I'm going to keep being epic. And then one day they will give me my turn. That makes sense. When you talk about like, you know, it's all about like giving back to the community and like being positive role models. I saw that one clip where like Brianna was on the carpet and she stopped, I think, and talked to one of your reporters. And the woman was like, oh, my God, thank you for stopping. And Rihanna's like, I would always stop for you. Like, you know, that's how I, if I want to talk to my people, like the black media, the black community. Of course, I stopped for Hollywood Unlocked. Like, that's got to be so rewarding, right? Like, do you have the, like, I mean, do you hear from, like, tons of young boys and girls and just, like, you're a role model? I mean, I wasn't standing right there when she said it. I was there when it was said in the environment. But, but I mean, of course, that was an endorsement that I'm going to use in every reel that I ever use for the rest of my career. I mean, Rihanna, one of the biggest stars in music, in branding, in tech, as an entrepreneur, she's somebody that I've respected and love and who I believe sees me for me, says that when she wants to speak to her people, she goes to Hollywood online. I mean, how can you beat that? More importantly, when she texts me links to different things that we're writing, 
it just amazes me that she's that tuned into what we're doing. And so, yeah, it was an amazing compliment and honor. And the fact that she gave me that to be able to, um, you know, use in the future is great. It was a great endorsement and I appreciated it. Do you hear from like so many young boys and girls that say like you're an inspiration, you know, especially like you came from humble beginnings. Now look at you. Like, do you hear from a lot of people like that? Yeah. I mean, people hit me up all the time, especially people who are, you know, um, journalists, people who want to start their own brand or their own blog, their own podcast. People will hit me up and tell me how much I inspired them. This woman bought this like big ad package and I thought she would be promoting her brand, but she really just wanted to talk to me. So it was kind of weird that she paid me thousands of dollars to get on the phone with her. But but it was kind of like, yo, that was kind of cool, you know, uh, whatever. But no, yes, people, I, I think, get inspired more importantly, especially people who are like young people of color who've been in foster care or who've been abused, or who read my book and had some type of impact you know, that tells me like, I'm getting more into my purpose. And that's why I think it's important that like my message and my delivery comes across with a lot more compassion because I really am not coming from a bad place when I'm reporting on the news. I'm coming from a passionate place as a fan, but I can't be complacent with who my voice is in the culture. So yeah, I I love that I inspire them and I hope to be able to use my platform and our relationships later on to do a lot more impactful work. Do you think that's the biggest misconception about you? It's kind of like that you are a shit starter, starter or is there other misconceptions? Well, but I am, but I am though, you know what I mean? So it's not really a misconception. It's just mostly what I've given them. So now I got to give them a little bit more, you know, that that is one layer of me, but just like I'm having this conversation with you and we've said some things that are probably make some people uncomfortable. It's just the truth. It doesn't need to be delivered in a way that just punches people right across the face, you know? And But there are times where you're going to have to punch somebody across the face. And but those are going to be the times that stand out instead of it being here we go again. You know, totally. What about the fact that, you know, I mean, you're an you're out, you're out. I'm like a gay man myself. Like, do you hear from a lot of like young gay men and women that say you're a positive role model? Like how important? No, no. Really? Yeah. No, I mean, like one of the bit I think one of the disappointments that I've had is that I haven't heard from many more people in the gay community. I mean, I'm I'm openly gay, black and gay, yeah. proud and out and gay. I'm a nationally syndicated radio host in urban music who's gay. There's never been another me that's out. Um, I've been very transparent about my lifestyle. And I really, feel like I was saying this, uh, this publicity firm at Fox Soul the other day, I was like, yo, I would love to be on the cover of Advocate or Out. I would love to do a column in there where I can express how my confidence was never driven by or detoured by my sexuality or people's thoughts on that because I don't see my sexuality is mine. It's not yours. You don't get to tell me who I am or put me in a category that makes you feel comfortable because of mine. But I have been surprised at how the, the gay community has not jumped on a bandwagon of support behind me. And again, you know what? I just keep doing what I do and eventually it'll catch up with them, you know? I find that strange too. I wonder why. You know, I mean, that makes no sense to me either. I don't know. You know, what, what I will say, the thing that I do talk about publicly is I am very aware that what I am doing, even though people may not acknowledge it right now, is opening doors for people later. You know, one thing that you said that I thought was uh, great that you picked up on is how I love VH1. You know, you may not, not you, but they may not see it as a big deal. 
But when they want to get out their contract, they have something to reference now because I did it. I did it. I didn't I didn't forget it. I didn't I didn't uh, lose anything. I'm not afraid of not going back. Um, if I do go back, I mean, I wanted to host the Love and Hip Hop reunion so bad. I was like, yo, I've done it. I know everybody on every cast. I know all their business because we talk about them every day. I know the the temperature at Love and Hip Hop. I already have a relationship with the network. Let me host the reunions. I'm not coming back to the show as a, as a talent because it just doesn't make sense. But let me host the reunions because I can stir up the shit for you. And I know the people. And they never, they didn't give me that opportunity. So I just did the, I just hosted the Baddies ATL reunion on the Zeus Network and I killed it. And now <clears throat> I'm talking with Zeus about other shows that I can host, other shows I can develop. And so I always look at it like there's not one pony in the show. I didn't work out for you. Great. I'll work out for somebody else, you know? Yeah, that was one of the first things that stuck out to me just because I know people that, you know, do not get out of their contracts and behind the scenes they try. And I've, I know what the contracts look like. There's you're not, it's are very one-sided and people don't just get out of them by asking. So that's the one thing well, that- It's the fear of closing that door to a very major, major corporation. It's not just VH1, it's VH1, MTV, Comedy Central, it's CBS. I mean, it's a whole conglomerate. And, you know, when you piss people off inside, conversations happen. But the thing that I always believe is, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. If I don't work out for you, I'm going to go be another man's treasure somewhere else. And guess what? You're going to have to see what your investment is reaping for somebody else. You know, right. but I don't have to be. The minute they let me on my contract, I went online. I did a post. I thanked them for everything they did for me. I showed them my appreciation. I called Mona Scott Young. I told her I appreciate everything she did. She understood. And she was actually trying to help me get out of my contract because she knew my ambitions were greater than being on her show. We still have an open door. We're still talking about creating together. So ultimately, Mona was the champion of me coming in the door at VH1 and leaving VH1. You know, they ultimately let me out. And there's no bad blood at all, at least on my standpoint. And no, I mean, I, I saw your statement. It was very positive. You talk about hosting. Like, what do you think about Nicki Minaj being involved with the Real Housewives of Potomac reunion? Um, well, I think it's... Um, I mean, who cares? Like, nobody really cares. Um, I think Nicki Minaj needs to worry about responding to that rape victim who's suing her and her husband, because my understanding yesterday, she failed to uh, respond to the, the complaint that was filed. So now there's a default motion being filed today. That story is going out on Hollywood Unlocked today. So I'm actually breaking it here first. And uh, so there's a $15 million judgment that may be levied against her and her husband. I also want to know why she transferred her mother's house to her husband's name for zero dollars. Like, what were you doing with that? I mean, she has the dark cloud following her career. Um, she's not the queen that she wants to be. But, you know, ultimately her there's a crack in her crown. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I hope that she can stop worrying about the real housewives and be a real woman and clean up her mess because it's it's disgusting. Fair enough. I see there's no love lost between the two of you. No. What, what about who is, is there any up and comers that you see, you know, that like we may not know about, like I may not know about, is there anyone like that? You know, kind of like a Jordan Woods, which to your point, I don't know if I would have really known who Jordan Woods was before that story broke. I doubt I've ever heard mm -hmm. of her before that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I like the rapper Lotto. I know she recently was mad at us on Hollywood Unlocked. She said, you know, we chose the worst comments about her performance. Well, that was what we saw. People didn't like it. But I like her and I want her to 
to win. Um, I love Lizzo. She's not an up and comer. She's Lizzo, but I want to interview her. I just love her. I love her spirit. I love her body positivity. I love her fearlessness. I love all that. Um, you know, I, I think I got it wrong on Doja Cat. I think she's going to be a superstar. Uh, and she's another one that I have to reconcile with because I kind of burnt that one down too. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, I talked to Bia a couple weeks ago when I was at the Rihanna Fat, uh, Fenty premiere. I FaceTimed Bia with Rihanna and she's somebody that I want to get on the show. Yeah, there's a lot of young people out there working. Um, and I just love the fact that there's so many people out there expressing their creativity and getting opportunities to do so. When you were on Breakfast Club with Charlemagne and you were talking about this whole situation, like when your podcast was closed down, I'm a lawyer. I don't practice law anymore, but I'm I'm the type like I love everyone. You started a 10 out of 10. Personally, I don't care. You could tell me I'm disgusted, whatever you say. You come from my business and I see red. It's literally I see red. So when you said to Charlemagne, when he asked you about like Karen Civil, like, you know, do you think she should go to jail? And you said, yes, like, of course, yeah, like. And Charlemagne was like, so like, what? Like, shouldn't we have? And you were just like, she like, I mean, she did something major to you. Why do you think that? Like, I mean, why, you know what I'm saying? Like, why is that such a shocking reaction that you would want some, anyone that came for your business that you are, this is your livelihood, like, and you put so much into it. Of course you don't want to, I don't know. I thought that was. Because this industry, as you know, is navigated by relationships, you know? Yeah. Like for so long, I was labeled and demonized this messy gay blogger who hides in the bushes and hates everybody and is miserable and wants everybody. He hates black women, he hates trans. He ha they did all that. And they all banded together in support. You know, I love Charlamagne. I didn't say this on the show, but I will say this. When I got the interview with The Breakfast Club and then they they ultimately gave me a show over at iHeart and the show launched in 52 markets. Now it's in 72 markets, number one show in the country on the weekend. It's whatever, right? Charlamagne got this big deal. Damn, I should have said this on the show. But anyway, he got this big deal with iHeart where he launched his own network. And he knew that I was struggling with iHeart because the business wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I love iHeart, so I'm not bad-mouthing them. I love the people over there, but I didn't like the business when I first started. Mind you, I didn't come in as an employee. I don't ask them for days off. I own the show, so I'm a partner. And so I don't talk to them as an employee. I talk to them as a partner. And for them, I think it was very difficult because I came in very much like, <laughs> what are we doing? What are the money? Right. You know what I mean? But Charlemagne, once he got his deal, the Black... Uh, Effect Network, I believe is what it's called, Black Effect Network. That's the president is the producer from Wild and Out, who was my producer, Dolly. It just made sense that I would come to the Black Effect Network because I'm Black, I'm in effect, I'm on the network, I'm here, you know I'm not happy with iHeart at the time. Yeah. And, and Charlamagne called me and he said, why does everybody say you're so hard to work with? And I just couldn't digest that. And I had to explain to him and educate him that when you are an owner of your company, you're having a different conversation. You're in the you're in the pit. You're in the details of the back end money. You're in the details of metrics and what we're doing to drive up the market rate. So that way, the money you're yielding a bigger return on your investment. You take lower money up front so you get the bigger investment on the back. But if the bigger investment on the back isn't happening, then people need to give you answers. And when people don't feel like they're obligated to give you answers because they're used to dealing with employees and you have to teach them that you're not their employee, it's very uncomfortable for people to digest. 
And I had to explain this to him, but nonetheless, he never added me to his network. And so I looked at that and, you know, at, at first I was kind of frustrated with Charlemagne, to be honest with you, because I'm like, yo, like, really? Somebody told you I was hard to work with and you got this pot of money and you're bringing all these other shows on, but you didn't even look at me. But here's the blessing in it. I don't want to work for Charlemagne. And had I joined that network, I would be working for somebody else. So now I have this huge opportunity that just came to me a couple of weeks ago that I'm literally waiting on a call for today that had I taken that opportunity, I would have never got this bigger opportunity. So I never question, I go back to my book, God must have forgot about me. He never has. He, he's always been there to block something that I didn't deserve because I deserve bigger or provided me with opportunities that I needed to take and get an L from. So I learned from that lesson. So I stopped questioning things. I didn't live in why, 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 Charlene? Why not me? Why? I didn't even bring it up and throw it up in his face in the interview because I honestly had just forgot about it because I've had so many bigger blessings since he rejected me. But when I look at the comments in the, in the, you know, there's like 1.1 million views for this video, we this interview we did a week ago. Yeah. 7,200 comments and everybody's like, we support Jason. We don't know why Charlemagne is not asking harder questions. Why is Charlemagne wanting everybody to get over it? Listen, I don't have to go and attack Charlemagne and his point of view. The audience, they attack me. Now they're attacking him. The audience is who we serve and they don't miss anything. So I love Charlemagne. I mean, he's still very much an example of what I am becoming. Um, I think he missed an opportunity during that interview to be a little bit more pointed towards the fact that a black business owner was almost destroyed at the hands of a person that we don't know who they do. And I will say here that I haven't said anywhere else. After I did that interview, a woman saw the interview and she messaged me that she paid Karen Civil allegedly $5,000 or some, a lot of money to help her get an interview on The Breakfast Club and it was never secured. And then she just just ghosted her. So I sent it to, to Charlemagne and Envy. And I didn't have to say, I told you so, or why didn't you? I just sent that and I left it alone because ultimately I know that I am grounded in my purpose and I'm doing the work with the most integrity and with all the objectivity I can. And the audience will, they'll see, they'll see later on and they don't have to see it right now. Just like I don't need Wendy's seat right now. It'll happen eventually. And when it does, I'll be right there to say, told you, I told you. Yes, you will. And I agree. I think everything happens for a reason. Well, not to change the subject or anything. We know you are a taken man these days. No, I'm not. You're not in a relationship? Hell no. Listen, the only thing I'm taking is I'm taken aback by the fact that I'm not in a relationship. You know, um, join the club, I'm, honey, join the club. I mean, it's a, it's but, shocking, right? It's shocking. But, you know, when you're in pursuit of your dreams, something has to give. And that's just been one thing that has. Well, I'm sorry I got that fact wrong. I thought you had a man. Well, if you look at my Instagram once a week, I do. Well, maybe just, that's what I was looking at. Yeah. But if you Google it, nothing comes up. So no. What? advice would you give someone like I know that you're going to start all this with the podcast but like you know if there's someone out there listening just starting out that is possibly gay and young or straight or whatever just like someone who wants to like break into this media and kind of make their own mark like what advice would you give them um what two things one find out what your thing is right like don't let anybody detour you from getting in the space because they tell you there's no there's no room for you because they told me that and clearly i've carved out my own space 
And two, be very fearless. Like be very fearless, relentless, and don't give up because ultimately it's a scary thing to leave uh, a day job or even to like slow down on a day job or downgrade your life. But like once you do and you really focus on finding out what your lane is and then just really honing in on that and being fearless and nonstop, like you have to be so dogmatic for your dreams that the painful struggle of like elevation is just a part of the process. So you don't look at it like, man, I don't got nothing. Oh, I'm losing everything. No, you're, you, you, you gotta be broken down to build it up. And I had, my life was very comfortable before I started Hollywood Unlocked and I had to strip it all down to nothing and build it all back up. But that journey that those little things that, you know, I remember when we had, you know, advertisers were paying a hundred dollars to promote on Hollywood Unlocked. And now, you know, I'm sitting here and literally these checks are, there's literally all these checks on my desk right now that I didn't even know were coming. So it's just one of those things where don't do it for the money. The money is going to come. Just stay focused on your craft. Stay focused on building strong relationships. And, you know, the courses that I'm dropping, you know, when we, we set the price of $1,999, I said, if somebody doesn't want to invest $2,000 in their dreams to get a million dollars worth of game, their dreams aren't real. Like they're not big enough because had I had the chance to spend $2,000 to learn how to save hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions, you know, millions of dollars, yeah, I mean, I would have definitely invested in myself. So I just hope that people understand, like, this is a real industry. It's a real situation where if you want to live, you know, comfortably and where I can work from anywhere I want. I have a studio in my house in New York, my apartment in New York. I have a studio in my house here in L.A. I can work in Bali. I can work anywhere around the world as long as I have a phone, working Wi-Fi, which, by the way, Wi-Fi in Paris sucks, but... If you have working Wi-Fi, you have a phone, you can work anywhere in the world. Why not invest in yourself to do that? I would agree. Do you prefer New York or LA? I prefer New York people. I prefer I prefer LA weather. That's that I, I would agree with that. Anything else you want to leave us with before we say goodbye? I really appreciate this. I mean, like. I was really excited to talk to you. And I don't really say that about everybody that I speak to. So thank yeah, you for doing this. Of course. No, thank you for being so thorough. Anytime. Just I'm here. Let me know. And I appreciate you giving me the space to get it all out. I like to get to know people when they're here. You can come back anytime where for the few people that are listening that don't know where to find you, where can they find you online? Yeah, just go to HollywoodUnlocked.com, at HollywoodUnlocked on Instagram. If you're cute, single, available, and interested, at the only Jason Lee, I do check my DMs. Um, I'm, my team is sitting here smiling and shaking their head because I'm trying to become a little bit more disciplined when it comes to, you know, the amount of access. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm out here. I love it. Honestly, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. I've loved getting to know you, and you're an inspiration, so I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate the questions were perfect. Thank you. Come back anytime you want. When things break, you need to come back as our like expert on what's going on in the world. I'm here. So thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear... Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review. 
because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind The Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me, and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.